0: Welcome to the online ministry uh, for St. Augustine's Anglican Church in Varell, prepared for Sunday the 29th of August 2021. Uh, Our sentence of scripture today comes from Psalm 86. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all day long. You, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call on you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather before your throne to hear you speak to us through your word. Please be gracious to us as we call out to you. Indeed, help us to call out to you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for forgiveness that's ours in Jesus Christ. And thank you for showing your love poured out for us through his death on the cross. Please help us as we gather virtually, Lord, to grow in our love for and trust in you. And we pray for our time now in Jesus' name. Amen. i been- come to our time of Bible readings now. Uh, So please uh, spend some time reading your Bible. Uh, The Old Testament uh, reading is from Isaiah chapter 59 uh, verses 9 to 21. Uh, Our psalm today is Psalm 121 and our preaching passage is Romans chapter 11. So please press pause and spend some time uh, reading God's
1: Word. G'day, my name's Adam. It's my pleasure to be sharing Romans chapter 11 with you. Uh, There's a fair bit to chew off today, so uh, get comfortable, put your seatbelt on, we better pray. Father God, we thank you that we can gather in this way. We thank you that we can do so with our Bibles open. We pray that by your Spirit, you'd speak to our hearts, show us our need for Jesus, Uh, Show us who we are in Christ, that you would be glorified here and throughout the world. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here we are in lockdown. And well, may we ask, where is all of this heading? What is the point of all of this suffering? Where is the hope? And I'm talking about COVID, of course. But here in Romans 11, we could ask the same question, Of unbelieving Israel chapter 9 there was sonship glory covenants law temple worship patriarchs promises Israel quite literally had it all but now in chapter 10 verse 21 concerning Israel it says all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people and so well we ask is that the end of the story is there any hope is there anything left for Israel good question chapter 11 verse 1 I ask then: did God reject his people by no means and what follows are three proofs proof number one uh, the apostle Paul says I myself I'm an Israelite. By no means, I'm an Israelite. Uh, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Je- uh, Benjamin. No, God saved me. I am proof. Uh, proof number two, that, uh, that God has not rejected his people outright. Elijah asked the same question in 1 Kings 19. And Paul references this in verse two. Uh, remember that story. And the answer back then is still the same today. The answer is no. God has not rejected his people. Proof number three. Look at verse five. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. It's always God's plan to choose a people from within a people. And God's choosing of his people is always a matter of grace. Verse six. And if by grace... It's no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Next question: What then? What Israel sought so earnestly it did not attain. Obtain, but the elect did. The others were hardened. And yeah, yeah, that was that was last week and the week before and every week prior to that. There is a remnant from Israel. There is an elect people just like Paul who did accept Christ, but hardened Israel didn't they stub their toe Ah, they sought a right standing with god based on works and merit and the lesson is still the same for us today hear the gravity of what i'm saying to you now god is god salvation is by faith alone grace alone which means that we contribute nothing to our salvation Not even like God foresaw that we would turn out okay and say, yeah, I'll pick them. That is still a doctrine of works and merit. Do you think there's a little bit of good in me and that's my ticket to heaven, a ticket to right standing with God? You're mistaken. You are just like hard-hearted Israel, blind, deaf, dumb. And verse 13, it says that your heart is far. Of Isaiah 29 says your heart is far from the Lord. You're looking in the wrong place for righteousness. Question number three. I look at verse 11. This is our next question. Again, I ask, did Israel stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? No, not at all. See, we're still looking for hope, aren't we? Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. Did you catch the glimmer of hope right there? We keep wondering, Israel, what on earth is this all for? Where is the hope? Well, here it is. To make Israel envious. That's verse 11. Once upon a time, we used to have a green toy lizard in our household and you could feed the ball uh, and, and then it would regurgitate this ball and as the lizard regurgitated the ball and spits it out, there are lights and sounds and bells and whistles and playing with this green toy lizard was great fun. It was a source of delight and enjoyment. I loved it, it's great. And when Sophie was a toddler, if I pull this green toy lizard out across the lounge room floor, Mate, she would toddle over and I'd start playing with it. No, she wanted a piece of the action. She too wanted the lights and the music, the dancing, and she wanted to see the ball regurgitated as well. It's great fun. Sophie was lured in. She was drawn in. When it came to the green toy lizard, she had a bad case of FOMO, right? Do you know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. And this is what's going on here in Romans 11. We don't have a green toy. We have something infinitely more precious. We have what Israel wants. We have peace with God. We have forgiveness. We stand in a relationship of grace. We have these blessings that Judaism still longs for. They long to delight in such things, but they don't have them. Because they stumble over the rock that is Jesus. Yeah, whereas we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's Ephesians 1 verse 3. So again the question then. Is Israel beyond recovery? No. See that God wants to give them a bad case of FOMO. Fear of missing out. He's deliberately provoking their envy. And this is where hope rises. Hope rises because this reeks of potential. See, verse 12, we get a taste of it. Uh, here's a big what if. But if their transgression means riches for the world, which it does, uh, or uh, uh, riches for the world, or their loss means riches for the Gentiles, which again it does, uh, how much greater will their full inclusion bring? Now, this pattern is the pattern we see in the book of Acts. Jews reject the gospel. Gentiles fall over themselves and accept it. Read Acts, it's all there. And the pattern is repeated again and again. Their big no becomes a big yes for the Gentiles. You remember the woman, I'd rather gather up the crumbs under the table, Lord. Um, there, There is a picture. And if Jewish resistance, their big no, leads to the overflow of the riches of the gospel for the Gentiles, well, man, what would happen if they actually accepted it? What would happen if they actually turn and believe? Because if some of, say, verse 15, he paints it like this. For their rejection brought reconciliation. What would their acceptance be? But life from the dead, indeed, as is true of any conversion, I guess. But here is hope. Here is hope for Israel. And Paul seems to be suggesting there's more of Israel's story that's yet to play out. That God isn't finished with them and he hasn't given up on them. Which means there's a missionary field oozing with gospel potential. And so specific Jewish evangelism rightly continues in Sydney and across the globe because Jews need the gospel. They need Jesus, just like anybody does. Now I need you to take a breath as you think that through. Might be something to be praying about a bit later on as we think about global mission. Because notice in verse 13, if you're taking a deep breath in, good get buckled in because we're just getting started. Notice in verse 13, the conversation shifts to the Gentiles, having just talked up ministry to the Jews and talked about how they they ooze potential. Look at the prospect that's here. Paul gives two pictures for us to think about. The first picture is uh, verse 16, the doe, and verse 17, he moves on, to an olive tree. Uh, I've mentioned Tanya's sourdough before. Uh, Tanya's sourdough is so good, uh, she could do it for a crust. Boom, boom. Uh, But she has starter mix. You use starter mix for sourdough, right? And the dough, the starter mix gets the rest of the dough going. She starts with a bit, And it becomes mixed with other things like water and flour and it becomes a bigger blob. And you mix it through and you mix it through and then it's happy days, isn't it? You know how dough works. Paul's saying, believing Israel like a starter mix. That that part of Israel that is a remnant saved by grace, that part of Israel that had faith in God's promises, Romans 4, that part of Israel that is elect, that is holy, that has accepted Christ like Paul did that's the dough that starts off the whole batch of God's people there are not two batches there are not two people of God it's one always was one always will be one now come with me to the olive tree imagine that verse 16 that gets a mentioned mention. Um, it has roots it has branches roots are holy Why? Because all of it's holy, uh, just like the dough, of course. If the tree is Israel, verse 17, then it's no surprise to learn that some of the branches have been broken off, such as their unbelief. Unbelieving Jews have been broken off from their family tree. This is a devastating picture. Can you imagine Ancestry.com coming along at this point? And they're saying, well, bad news. I I look, I see there's a break in the family line. This branch is actually quite literally being snapped off. It's like some Israelites have stopped being Israelites. Verse 20, it says that they've been broken off because of unbelief. Now, Imagine Ancestry.com. They are into family trees and now they look further and they go, but hang on a sec. Not only has that happened, but look, there's a scandal here because there are new branches that have appeared. They found a scandal in the family tree. And the scandal is, it's not an affair. It's not children born out of wedlock or any, anything else that we might find scandalous from an, uh, um, a family tree that goes back away. The scandal is that new branches have appeared on this family tree. New branches, but these are wild. (laughs) Ah, look, the wild relatives, verse 17. The wild branches are Gentiles, you Gentiles. Though a wild olive shoot, you've been grafted in among the others and you now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Brothers and sisters, here is our identity. Here is the family tree of every Christian believer. A family tree, and what are the roots? The roots are decidedly Israelite. And if the roots are Israel, well, what do you call the rest of the tree? It's the same name, hasn't changed, of course, This is entirely consistent with something like Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, which says that if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. You are literally his offspring. And you are heirs according to the promise. And so I say, when you look at the doe, behold the true Israel of God. When you look at the olive tree, Behold the true Israel of God. Implication, we should immerse ourselves in the promises to Abraham and Israel. And we should do it with great humility. Not as a source of boasting, verse 18 warns about that. But as an acknowledgement, this is where our spiritual roots come from. These roots are our roots. Now, importantly, with the olive tree, notice God doesn't cut down an old tree and plant a new one. Like he's done with them and now he's starting anew. He doesn't cut down an old tree and plant a new one. We do not replace Israel. No, that's not right. That's not Romans 11. Notice also God doesn't plant a new tree and then grow it beside the old tree. He doesn't do that either. God is not grafting old branches into a new tree somehow. No. Though some people, that's the way they want to do their theology. And of course, they're wrong. That's not Romans 11. There is one tree, people. One tree that exists across the divide of Old and New Testaments. It's not two stories. It's not an old story and a new story. It's one story. One tree. Which means it's one continuous story into which we as Gentiles have been grafted in. And that same tree, that one tree is still standing. That Tree still remains. It is the true Israel of God, otherwise known as Christ's church. Implication. No boasting. We, I mentioned that. We don't support the root, but the root supports us. And so we don't get to act like we're better than anyone else. It continues. Verse 22. Keep coming with me. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Go with kindness, right? sternness to those who fell those who tripped but kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness so keep in his kindness otherwise you also will be cut off roger that now remember the hope we're digging for because there's more hope and if that they do not persist in unbelief that's unbelieving israel they'll be grafted in For God is able to graft them in again. See, they're cut off. They need to be reconnected. Do you see in verse 23 the patience and love of God? That God is a God of the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth chance. He is slow to anger. He's abounding in love. Even here, he holds out his hands in hope. More hope, more potential. He hasn't given up. God's ready welcome is before all unbelievers, especially the ancient people of God. Now, God continues to hold out hope. Uh, Verse 25, we pick it up. We keep going. I do not want you to be ignorant of the mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part. We know until the full number of Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. uh, As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. See again the pattern. Jewish resistance leads to Gentile belief, which promotes Jewish envy, until the Gentile house is full. And in this way, all Israel are saved. All right, remember who Israel are again. Remember Romans 9, 6, look at the tree. Not all Israel are Israel, look at the tree. True Israel then is less a nation and more a global community. True Israel can only be defined by union with the one true Israelite, and his name is Jesus Christ. Now, when Paul quotes Isaiah 59 verses 19 to 20, he's saying that the gospel is going global. Now, I haven't asked you to flick yet, uh, but Isaiah 59 verse 19, it's important to go there to Isaiah 59. So pause, flick there now. Uh, you're looking up Isaiah 59, verse 19. Let me read it because it adds a bit more. It says, From the west, men will fear the name of the Lord. And from the rising of the sun, that's the east. And so we've got both directions, west and east. They will revere his glory, for he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repented their sins, declares the Lord. Now that's Isaiah 59. Notice in Isaiah 59, this is what Paul has been quoting, the Redeemer goes to Jerusalem. You've got to see this. In Isaiah 59, the Redeemer goes to Jerusalem. He goes to Zion. It begins with a baby born in a manger, yet that man is condemned and crucified in Jerusalem, but the gospel's impact is global from west to east. And now when you come to Romans 11, what does the Deliverer do? Paul's nuanced it, hasn't he? The Deliverer comes from our heavenly Jerusalem, our Zion, if you like. And it comes to those who repent of their sins. He comes to deliver them, the true Israel. And so we need to see that the gospel goes international. I hope you see this uh, there in the text and you see what Paul has done for us. Now, verse 28, as far as the gospel is concerned, they're enemies for our sake. Unbelieving Jews remain hostile to the gospel. But even Paul's testimony shows that Jews must never be written off. God still holds out his hands and he calls people to believe in him to believe in his son and he loves them on account of their fathers and the offer is still on the table which means verse 29 god's gift his offer is irrevocable absolutely verse 32 for god has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all all people can find mercy on the same terms jew gentile can find mercy by faith in Christ alone. And so see Romans 11 shows us the gospel calls the world then into a Christian community to the olive tree, the true Israel, where we're grafted in by faith in Christ, grafted in by faith in Israel's Messiah. And this launches Paul into a time of praise and worship in verses 33 to 36 as he becomes transfixed by this image of a complete, fulfilled Israel. It is a gospel that he is not ashamed of because it's the power of God for for the salvation of all who believe, no matter who they are. He is motivated to share the gospel with anyone and everyone. No one is off limits for evangelism. Ethnicity has no relevance. There is no difference, Paul says. We're all the same. We're all in need of God's mercy. That's the drive of these chapters. And that God has one purpose for humanity, and that is the worship of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God has no purpose outside of his gospel, and it sends us out to all who have never heard it. And so will we share it? I know it's tough at the, t- at the moment, but will we? Will we take the opportunity? Will we tell our neighbours of the riches of God's mercy expressed through our Lord Jesus Christ? What would we do if a, a busload of refugees from Afghanistan turned up on our doorstep? How would do we respond to that? Would we love them with the gospel? And if not, why not? Come again to Romans 11. Verse 33, O oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Not that Paul would dare try. Uh, who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? Uh, not me and not, certainly not you either. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? God doesn't know anybody anything. For from him, and through him and for him are all things to him be the glory forever and ever amen
0: it's a wonderful thing that today we can stand with millions of christians all around the world are declaring the same faith because no matter our different languages our different heritage or history um, we all have the same lord And it's in the Apostles' Creed that we can recognise this one faith that we have in our one Lord. So I invite you uh, to say the Creed with me. Uh, You might know it yourself, please join in. Uh, You might have it in your prayer books, uh, or you might just like to reflect on the words uh, as I say them. So, what do we believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, we come to a time of prayer now. Uh, There are many things, as always, that we can be praying for. Uh, We can be praying for our, our current COVID situation always and the many people involved and affected in so many different ways. Um, we can pray for the situation in Afghanistan, uh, which is continuing to be horrific. Uh, we can pray for um, our bishop uh, and of our cathedral, of our diocese and the dean of our cathedral. Uh, we can pray for missionaries, uh, Margie and Andy Newman uh, in Uganda, and the work in the North Kagezi Diocese, uh, for the Applebys in Cambodia, uh, for the work of Compassion. Uh, Bible Society, uh, Bush Church Aid, and others that you that you know who are in ministry overseas as well. Uh, we can pray for our our own local church uh, and different members that we know within our church family. Um, those who are sick and struggling different ways. Uh, pray also for the um, the euthanasia bill which is being brought before the New South Wales Parliament in the next uh, little while. So please be praying for that. And it's important also to be to be giving thanks. There is so much to ask God for, but there's also so much to be thankful for. So write a list of things that you can be thankful for and include those in your prayers as well. Oh. Let's close this time with prayer. Eternal God and Father, by whose power we are created and by whose love we are redeemed, guide and strengthen us by your Spirit, that we may give ourselves to your service and live this day in love to one another and to you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.